Well, howdy and welcome to the Jason Wright Show. This is a quick little episode in celebration of my birthday. That's right. Yesterday, February 19th was my birthday. 48. Wow. That's a lot of trips around the sun. And I feel great. I, honestly, I feel exactly the way I felt when I was like 25, 24, probably better than I felt in my early 30s. Um, I don't know. I feel really, really good. And a special belated happy birthday via the Jason Wright Show to my daughter, Rylan, who shares my birthday. I know she does not listen to her dad's podcast, but nevertheless, if some of you out there are friends with Rylan, tell her, say, hey, your dad said happy birthday. Uh, but the only reason why I'm here today, and I don't really celebrate my birthday. I think birthdays are just, I'm just not a birthday guy. I, I haven't liked them. I think adults celebrating their birthday, not judging anyone out there that that is into them. Mrs. Wright is really into them. Mrs. Wright makes sure that I have the greatest birthday every year. She's really, really big birthday person. Uh, but frankly, I just could care less about my birthday. That's one of the main benefits about Ryland's birthday being on the same day is because essentially what happens is it becomes her birthday, not mine. And I am totally cool with that, especially the older I get. But this year, I decided to just kind of do some reflection on what have I learned in my first 48 years. And I do mean that. I do mean my first 48 years. I think I'm definitely in for another 48. I think that's going to be easy. And um, I just thought about, okay, and I literally, I kind of did this like a little lightning list, like a really quick list of, all right, what are the first things that come to mind? Let's do 25 things that come to mind that... I've learned in my first 48 years. I actually uh, wrote them in the Vitruvian letter this past uh, issue. And if you have not subscribed to the, the Vitruvian letter, please consider doing that. It's uh, it's just my quick little newsletter every week where I encapsulate all the things I'm doing to improve always and always. Uh, I'll have some medical research in there, some exercises, maybe some commentary on a new uh, supplement stack that I've heard about, just all kinds of things like that. And, uh, and it's free, no charge at all, no carbs. It's uh, fat-free, and I think you'll enjoy it. And so in this issue, the, these are some things that I listed that I have gleaned from my 48 years that I think are nuggets of wisdom, and here they are, the top 25 things that I have learned in my first 48 years. All right, number one. You will survive almost every tragedy tragedy that befalls you. This might be the biggest one. There's two components to, to this, actually. So it was Balzac that said, most of our fears lie in anticipation. 35-year-old Jason would be freaked out at all times about being self-employed and possibly getting sued, going broke, just being worried all the time. And having gone through some really tragic moments, in my life, I've survived. I've survived. And I won't go into the details of, of those tragedies, if you will. And they're all relative, right? One man's tragedy is another man's um, stumping his toe. But I can tell you, one of the things that I have learned for sure is this. It's that I think it's it's safe to say we are such resilient people. We will all be able to endure almost any tragedy, no matter how bad. Number two, you don't have to try to make people like you. Just be the type of person it's easy to like. 
So <clears throat> I spoke to a, a therapist that I had on the show, Adam Lane Smith, a while back. And I told him that one of the things that I used to do is when, if I met you, I would automatically start trying to convince you I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. I'm someone you can like. I'm not haughty. I'm not arrogant. I'm someone that you can trust. And I would just, I, it was my job to make sure you knew I was a good person. And that comes from some things that uh, adults that were in my family convinced me of about myself at a very young age. Uh, you know, I, I had uh, some family members, they used to love to call me a con artist and thought I was better than everybody. And that just really, and it really, as I look back, is probably mostly projection. You know, these were people that were, um, uh, felt somehow uh, in competition with me to some degree or whatever. And it, and, re- and it was just weird. And, and as I've gotten older, it's like, you know, you're not a, you're not a bad guy. You are a good guy, but guess what? You don't have to prove it every time you meet someone. Just be a likable human being. You And so I would say that to you, just be yourself. And just instead of worrying about whether or not people like you or think you're a good person, instead, just be someone that it's really easy to like. Number three, it takes more energy to hate than to forgive. You know, when you hate someone, often you have to remember why you're hating the person. And that can require a lot of energy. And also, hating and unforgiveness is just like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies. It doesn't work. And forgiveness is the easiest and the shortest path to lightening the cognitive load. Just just let it go. Uh, I, this is a struggle with some people with me. I will admit it, but I've learned for sure that it's a, it requires a lot less energy to just forgive than to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Number four, marriage is the most amazing institution God ever designed. That statement would have shocked 40-year-old Jason. No doubt. I went through uh, a 17-year marriage that was not healthy, was not good, and it uh, And so, therefore, I said, I will never do that again. That was like touching the hot stove. Oop, that is hot, and it burned for a long time. Not going to do that again. But I want to do, I want to kind of take two things into one. Okay, so you go back to the one about forgiveness. My daughter's mom actually comes to Thanksgiving you know, with us sometimes. She will come over to the house and have Thanksgiving dinner with us. There's, there's forgiveness that's been given all around. And now, granted, I can't take all the credit for that. I have an amazing wife in Jimlin Wright that is, a, that is such a big person, tiny little person physically, but really big person as far as her heart and her soul and just the amazing human that she is, who, for the sake of our daughters, wants to always make sure that everyone is operating in love and forgiveness, and it just works. It just makes life so much better. The next one, true joy comes from experiences, not things. Good grief. That is such, that is, I mean, it took me a long time to realize that. Have you ever noticed whenever whenever you try to get the joy from the things, then what you end up doing is striving and working and, and doing a lot of crap that you hate, 
in your pursuit of the things. And then once you get the thing, you realize for a moment, it's a nice little dopamine hit, but then it goes away. But experiences, those last a lifetime. And as you look back over the course of your life, or at least for me, as I look back over my 48 years, the things that have brought me the greatest joy were experiences. And they usually involved people around me. That's just, that's what I found. Loving with full abandon is the surest way to keep your spouse happy. A lot of you out there, well, let's face it, statistically speaking, a great many of you out there are like me. If you are married, you are married for the second time. And if you, like I referred to earlier, that that first marriage was like touching a hot stove, that you have a lot of pain associated with that. We, in particular as men, we tend to build walls and say, you will only come so close. That's a mistake. That is an absolute horrible mistake. One of the reasons why I'm able to have the girl's mom come to Thanksgiving and my wife, Jimlin, is okay with that is because I love Jimlin with reckless abandon. My heart is in her hand. It is hers to do with as she pleases. And I can tell you right now, anecdotally speaking, in my circumstance, by giving her my heart and putting it in her hand, she protects it and takes care of it. She treats it like treasure. And I, and therefore I don't have to worry. She has such confidence in everything else around our, in our lives, because she knows that I am loving her fully, completely with absolute reckless abandon. And so I would tell you, if, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to be doing this for the first time, do not put walls around your heart. Love with abandon. Just let it go. Give all you've got. That is the surest way to ensure a happy and long-standing marriage. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right. Now, here's a really good one. Number eight. When cooking a steak, trust the process. Don't check the meat every minute. Find the time and temperature that works for you. Just trust the process. I used to be one of these guys constantly going out there and checking the lid and closing it, checking the lid, closing it, and flipping it like five or six times. Leave the steak alone. Figure out based on your grill and your fire, because they're all different. But when you figure it in the cut of meat that you like, figure out the exact time and temperature it takes to cook the steak to your satisfaction. Once you figure that out, trust the process. Number nine, people will always disappoint you. They are human. That's just what humans do. It's okay to be a nobody in the world's eyes. What matters is being a somebody your wife and children can depend on. I used to think so badly, I've got one shot at this life. I've got to be something significant in it. God has blessed me with these talents and gifts, and I have to use them in some big, powerful way. No, that's a bunch of crap. Should God decide to elevate me and give me some mantle that that looks that way, that looks like it's something significant on this side of heaven? Okay, up to him. But you know what? The more I, the older I get, the more I realize being off the radar and being the big fat nobody that I am, but yet being that somebody that my wife and children can always depend on, can always call on, that is all the rock star that I need to be. Number 11. He who conquers his mind conquers the world. If you know anything about the Vitruvian letter, if you've taken any of my classes, you know I'm constantly repeating that quote from Zeno. It is so very true. If we can take command of this thing that rests between our ears and behind our eyes, if you can control that world, it's the only world you can control. And when you learn how to, then 
you will be amazed at the influence you will start to have on that world outside and around you. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. Number 12, contentment is the brass ring, not the brass ring. So here's what I mean by that. I did a post here not too long ago about Jerry Seinfeld whenever he was about to end his show. He's doing an interview with Katie Couric. They're offering him at NBC five million bucks per episode. And Katie Couric's saying, how are you walking away from that? And Jerry says, you know, all I ever wanted to do was make a living doing comedy. He said, I've been doing that since I was in my 20s, selling umbrellas by day and hitting the clubs by night. He said, what do I need more money for? That's what most people don't realize. Real success is contentment, but most people don't know how to be content. And frankly, that's something it's taken me all of 48 years to realize that getting the brass ring, whatever that's a metaphor for in your life, that's not content. That's not the thing. That's not the brass ring. The real brass ring is just being content and finding joy in those things that sometimes don't even cost a penny. Age is, in fact, just a number. How you feel is what matters most. So I don't like hearing out loud that I'm 48, especially since I still feel 28. And But it's true that it's just a number. And if you just live your life being active, doing the things that you want to do physically, mentally, and challenging yourself, and don't get hung up on the number that, that, it, that, that indicates your chronological years on this earth, then it's all it is. It's a number. It's up to you whether you treat yourself like that number means something or not. Um, oh, this is a good one. Stay active. It's magical how amazing being healthy feels. I tell you, a lot of people will, it, it always frustrates me whenever I see somebody they haven't seen in a while. And I'm in, I'm in pretty decent shape, right? And so they'll say, well, you've been hitting the gym. Whatever. Whoa, look at you. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to stay healthy because it freaking feels good. I love feeling good. I know. Crazy, huh? And I'm telling you, for those of you that have struggled with your health, with eating habits, drinking habits, or whatever, um, reach out to me. If I can help you, it's not about vanity. It's not about the six-pack. It's not about the giant pecs. It's not about all that crap. Forget all the superficial junk. That's all ancillary nonsense, whatever. The best part of being healthy is it just feels so good. Not drinking alcohol is awesome. You are probably sick of hearing me talk about not drinking alcohol, and this is not a judgment on anyone who does. All I can tell you is five years ago, I decided that's it. I'm not having another drink. I drew a, lawn, uh, I drew a line in the sand and said, that's it. I'm done. And it goes back to what I was just talking about before. The reason why is because I'm obsessed with feeling really, really good. I'm, I'm obsessed with clear thought, lucid thoughts, a, a robust immune system, the ability to be still run sprints if I want to and do my pull-ups and, and leapfrog over Jimlin's head while she stands straight up. I'm, I'm into all that. And you know what? That, that lifestyle and being the person that I want to be and feeling the way I want to constantly feel, alcohol just doesn't figure into that. It just doesn't. And it's been one of the greatest decisions that I've made in my 48 years. This is one, too. If you smile at the world more times than not, it will smile back at you. It sounds cheesy. I know it does. But it's true. Walk up to a checkout person when you're buying groceries and just walk up with a smile. And just watch how much better the interaction is. 
whenever you meet someone when you and, and when you're walking by someone in the store, just look up and not some creepy, you know, joker like smile, but just look, look at somebody and smile. It's amazing. It's disarming. It is one of the coolest things that I think anyone can do. Um, divine appointments are real. I've had more than I can count. And this is the absolute truth. James Quandall, you know who you are. That right there, brother, divine appointment. And I, it's just one of many that I have made in recent years. I mean, this podcast in particular has opened up the opportunity for me to meet so many amazing people that would not have come into my life otherwise. And so be mindful that divine appointments do happen. There, there are, there, there, yeah, there are some accidental occurrences in this world. They're just random, right? The universe can be just random, but there's also people that are in your life because providence has ordained it. Be cognizant of that and, and look for those amazing divine appointments. Managing the distance between action and reaction can change everything. <clears throat> so Viktor Frankl is the one who made this quote. He said, uh, the, 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 the distance between action and reaction is space. And whenever you are be, between action and reaction is space, what he means is that if we can't, and this goes back to the Zeno quote, if you can control your mind, you can control the world, controlling your world, you don't have to immediately react when someone harms you, insults you. And, and if you can get to be that person that whenever you feel a visceral reaction welling up in you, but you can control the, the space between the action that has happened to you and the reaction that you're going to display. And I look, I'm, I'm, I'm still a work in progress, but I can tell you in 48 years, that's one of the biggest things I found is I don't always have to respond immediately. Try to slow down time. Try to get matrix whenever he's dodging the, the bullets, right? When, 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 you, when you do that, when you can do that, when you can treat life like that and then truly manage your response, manage your reactions to the actions, it's money. Um, trying to control others is pointless. You can only control yourself. Don't do it. Don't try to control your wife. Don't try to control your kids. Don't try to control your coworkers. Don't try to control your neighbors. You control you. That's it. You will only make yourself crazy trying to control other people. Don't do it. You don't need nor should explain the actions of others. Leave it to them. You are only accountable for your own actions. How many times do you find yourself, somebody will say, well, what were they thinking? Well, maybe they were thinking this, maybe they were thinking that. Shut up. You don't have to defend or actually, you unless you are in that person's head, which that would be really weird, you don't know what they were thinking. You don't know why they did what they did. And look, it might be a parent. It might be a, a child. It might be a spouse. It is not your job to hold yourself accountable for their actions. You are only accountable for your actions. Next, let's see here. Um, apologize quickly. If you don't like confrontation and you know that you're wrong, if you know that you know, don't dig in apologize quickly and watch what happens. It's amazing. You know, Jim and I, we just don't argue. We just don't. But there are times, I mean, I'm a dude and I can be a jackass. And when I am a jackass, I make sure to say, I'm sorry, as quickly as possible. I, and the thing is too, it's easy to do because you give the person the benefit of the doubt that 
they're going to understand. And more times than not, you know, she's just like, there's no reason to be defensive or anything. It's just, it just ends it right there. I'm sorry and mean it, but, to, but make it quick. Being a good listener is far more important than being a good talker. If you can learn to truly listen to people and appreciate what they have to say and appreciate their humanity, each let treat each instance, even in those mundane, boring, horrible cocktail party conversations, just make it a point to go, what could I learn from this person or about this person? Who is this person? I want to know. Don't allow conversations when someone else is talking, like I've got one relative in particular, that every time they're talking to you, all the, when you're speaking, all they're doing is listening for their cue to tell you a story about themselves. Every single conversation is a boomerang about them. You could tell them, hey, you're not going to believe it. I just went to the moon. And they would find some way to figure out, working into the conversation, that some relative of theirs once upon a time looked at the moon in a certain way. It would never be Really, tell me about your trip to the moon. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. It is okay to keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> there's, there's something, and I had to learn this at a time, because sometimes people will say things, and it's almost like they're saying, and a lot of times they are saying to try to kind of pull your opinion out of you. Guess what? You, do, you are under no obligation to share your opinion with anyone. And they are not under no, they have no right to your opinion. So if somebody tries to pull it out of you to try to corner you or try to get something going, you do not owe your opinion to anyone. And it's perfectly fine to just walk away without someone knowing your opinion. It's okay. It's okay to disagree, to disagree with people. Just do it respectfully. Now, some of you listening, you're really good at this. You're fine with disagreeing with anybody and everyone at any time. I'm not that person. I don't like to be disagreeable. And as a result, I used to find myself frustrated because I'd walk away and I'd go, you know what? I didn't agree with what that person said. So therefore, not only did I not stand up for what I believe, but secondly, I left them the wrong impression. I left them you know, confused as to who I really am and what I actually believe. And in that moment, it could have been beneficial to them. And so what I've learned is it's okay to go, you know what? I don't agree with that. Or I'm having a problem understanding what you're saying or agreeing with you. You know, just, just be respectful. And then next, the last one, 25. Like C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. A lot of people think that being a doormat and always beating themselves up and playing themselves down and always taking the high road and letting people just trample all over them, that somehow that's the that's being an all-star example of humble and humility. No, not no, that's not it. Humility is just whenever you think about other people more than you think about yourself. You're truly concerned with people's lives and how they're doing and what they're thinking. And that, that is humility. That is humility. Well, I have a special edition of the Jason Wright Show coming up tomorrow. I'm going to pop this sucker out here this evening. Hopefully, that'll be a, a nice little preempt uh, to the one that's coming up tomorrow, which is The Endangered Man. That's right. My buddy, James Quandall, who I mentioned earlier, he has the his show, The James Quandall Show. And then a friend of ours, John Landis, dropped by. 
And we are going to talk about, or we did talk about, just kind of the changing roles of, of, of men, especially in America, and how the man, we're under, we're in some, we're under in some shaky ground. More men die of suicide than women. More men are living, uh, are, are, are dying at the hands of violent crime. There are more men incarcerated. One of the things that we bring up is Warren Farrell, who wrote the book Boy Crisis. You know, Warren Farrell, he's a PhD, and he's got a great TED Talk out there that we we reference in the in the conversation where he talks about, you know, we, we rightfully talk about why there are so many black men versus other men incarcerated. But what we never talk about is why are there just more men in general? Why are more men incarcerated, period? Why is this not a, we look at it as a racist thing, but we never consider the sexism of it. And what is it? What's at the root of it? We talk about why there are, uh, of all the mass shootings, there's a, there's a profile for a mass shooter in schools in particular. It's usually a white middle-class male. Why? Why is this happening? So there's some interesting things happening that are uh, that we need to get a hold of in this society. We need men. We need good men. We need men of virtue. We need good husbands for our daughters. You know, uh, John Landis, who's going to be coming on, he has a newborn daughter. My daughters are of marrying age. One just turned 23 yesterday whenever I turned 48. And Abby, uh, my youngest, is going to be 22 in May. I want them to have good men to stand by their side and journey through life with. So we're going to talk about that. I hope you'll tune in. And until um, until we meet again, keep continuing to improve always and always. I'm Jason, and I'm out. Well, that does it for this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, Thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out. <laughs>